Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Okay, welcome into Red Sea Roundup this morning. This is Thaddeus Romanski, your general manager, and I'm going to be taking you through the first half of the first part of the show because we had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties before I turn it over to Gene talking to Mike Bonin about the upcoming Men's Day of Reflection in December. But uh, we're uh, coming to you on Wednesday, November 11th of 2020, um, and it's Veterans Day, as you may very well know, originally Armistice Day, because it was the day that World War One came to an end at the 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918. And um, speaking of that, you know, we've actually had a, a quite a bit of a, a military flavor to several shows uh, with Gene. Actually, he uh, he's interviewed two people in the past who uh, are part of the causes for sainthood of um, Father Emil Capon, who was a U.S. Army chaplain during the Korean War, and then also Father uh, Vincent Capadano, who was a Marine Corps chaplain during the Vietnam War. Uh, We also had uh, an interview with uh, C.T., who is a a recent Iraq and Afghanistan veteran, and his experiences in, in coming to faith during his military service and his work with veterans on this Veterans Day. But, uh, you know, as Gene likes to say, we're also all veterans of that spiritual battle that we're in every single day. We're, we're competing and, and battling with uh, principalities and powers, and we're contending against the evil one. And we, we have lots of spiritual weapons that we can deploy in the spiritual battle. The rosary, sacramentals, the mass regular attendance at confession, all of those things. And we need to take advantage of them uh, in the spiritual battle in which we are veterans and we will be a part of until we pass on to the other side. But luckily, you know, our Catholic faith also uh, gives us all different sorts of sustenance, spiritual sustenance in the Eucharist when we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ but also material sustenance and comfort. And that's what we're going to be bringing to you tomorrow night at our KEDC benefit dinner at the Brazos Center on Thursday, November 12th with our guest speaker, Dr. Michael Foley from Baylor University. He spoke to us at our Waco benefit dinner uh, back in October. It was a great success. And he talked about how to drink like the saints in five easy steps. Well, he's going to be giving the same talk to our Red Sea audience tomorrow night at the Brazos Center. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't have any more seats available to sell or tables to let you reserve. But we do have a handful of spots at some of those reserved tables where if you want to um, if you if you want to come, if you've been looking forward to coming, but you didn't get a chance to get a seat, contact us, email me, email Dennis, uh, message us on Facebook. There's a lot of ways that you can get in touch with us and ask us if we still got a few seats 
to uh, to give you a spot at, and we'll get you worked into the uh, the guest schedule. Okay, now I'm going to bring our new St. Mary's and Red Sea Radio intern, Anna Villalobos, on the mic. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Hey, tell the people how they can be a part of our benefit dinner tomorrow night, even if they're not there in person. Absolutely. So our 2020 KEDC benefit dinner is actually going to be live streamed this year on YouTube and on Facebook Live. The live stream is going to start at 7.30. It's going to open at 7. We're going to have a couple videos sprinkled in for there. If you missed our nine days of drinking with the saints, um, Thaddeus makes cocktails and shows you how you can also drink like a saint. <laughs> I did not bring her on to uh, brag about me making cocktails, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was a really fun uh, little project that we in, in uh, that we got to do together and uh, the nine days of of drinking with the saints to get you excited for the the benefit dinner. If people don't know what Facebook Live is, tell them about tell them about that. Yeah, so Facebook Live, work? you don't need a Facebook account actually to watch the Facebook live stream. Okay. Um you can just go type in on Google like Red Sea Radio Facebook and you'll see our Facebook page and you'll see the live stream uh, popped up and ready to start. Okay. But and what's the, what's the other platform they can go to for watching the live stream? That'll be youtube.com. So the way you can get to our YouTube is you can go to redsearadio.org and you can click on our banner we have there online there saying um, to click for our live stream. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it'll take you right to our Facebook, our YouTube page. I'm sorry. Okay. I think Anna is doing a great job being on the radio for the first time this morning. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for, thanks for jumping on the mic there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now we're going to turn to most of Gene's interview with Mike Bonin talking about the upcoming Men's Day of Reflection that's going to be on Saturday, December 12th. Uh, you got most of that interview, and Gene is going to take us out to the end of the show. So here comes Mike and Gene. Take it away, gentlemen. And uh, we asked the speaker uh, to read Scott Hahn's latest book, Hope to Die, The Christian Meaning of Death and the Resurrection of the Body. And the reason that we chose this theme is that people are anxious about a lot of things right now, uh, and anywhere from the economy to the election to COVID. And um, there's a lot to have a lot of anxiety about. And what Scott Hahn talks about is that he was aware of this same thing and recognized that as Christians, we need to remind ourselves that our hope is not on this earth. Our hope is eternal life. And we need to keep our focus on eternal life, despite what's going on here. Now, the the uh, the primary speaker, your your highlight, our keynote speaker, is from Victoria, and that's that's quite a ways from here. Correct, correct. So his name is uh, Deacon Doug Trombley. Um, he is a deacon who works with um, in the bereavement ministry. So he works with hospice. And uh, he has some amazing life stories, not only about people who are facing the last part of their life, the last stage of their life, but his own personal story is very, um, very dramatic. And he'll talk about that in his talk uh, around um, times when he had to rely on hope in his faith. Uh, you're talking about the uncertain times. There, uh, People are not really sure. Uh, you and I were in a meeting earlier this morning where we heard about somebody uh, whose family of six out of six Five of them have COVID, and they brought it home from school and soccer. And then the husband who doesn't have COVID has some other health issues that would make him a primary target. Correct. 
And uh, I think almost all of us know somebody that has had COVID or has died, had somebody that's died from COVID. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, of course, the greatest thing we can do for families like that, which we did this morning, was to pray for them. Um, but certainly it's, it's the anxiety of wondering, am I next, that we still have to live with here um, during this time. Do you, do you, and there's somebody else that's going to be on the agenda to talk also. Right. We have uh, um, Arlen Nichols, and he's the founding president of the John Paul II Foundation for Life and Family. And he's going to be talking to us about the ethics of um, when we face, face the last times of our life. So the ethics of dying. Um, and specifically, he's going to be talking to us about advanced directives. So as men, um, we've been faced with completing our wills or we're taking care of an elderly member. And it's important that we keep in mind that ethics of what we need to keep in mind as Christian men. Well, one of the things uh, about that, uh, those documents, it relieves our, uh, those people that are taking care of us of a lot of responsibility of trying to make decisions for us that, that uh, we can make now about how we will deal with our end of life and, uh, and to know how to do it properly according to the church is very good. Exactly. And what Arlen finds in his talks is that uh, for the most part, we're ill-informed about those issues. And um, he will, after his presentation, he'll certainly leave enough time for questions and answers. So if you want some information on that, which, and I don't care how old you are, because I've known fathers as young as 25 or 30 that have died and I've known others that have been in their 90s when they died. So it's, it's a timely uh, topic for anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me just mention um, that uh, December 5th is the event. We'll start with Mass at 8 a.m. Um, and then after that, we will proceed to Zurich Hall. Um, and we'll continue with our talks and a bit of discussion. And then wrap up the day with a rosary and be done okay. by noon. So it's half a day, and it's a, a good good way to spend the morning. Now, for those of you who, who are not familiar with where St. Thomas Aquinas is, it's on Highway 6, uh, Earl Rudder Freeway, on the east side of the freeway mm-hmm. between 2818 and Southwest Parkway. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming from the north, you want to get off of the 20. Well, either way, you want to get off at of the 2818 exit. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's good. I, what what would you say to a man? <clears throat> pardon me, a man who is maybe not from this particular area, maybe somebody as far away as Waco or our, our listening audience in Palestine. What would you say to them? Is it worth the trip to come here to listen to this particular thing? I think so, but I don't know what what your thought process is. Yeah, I would think that it is. I know already we have some men, a, a men's group that's going to come from Lexington, uh, okay. which is a good little drive from here, and they're pretty excited. Um, what some of the comments last year was it's good to just be among a group of Catholic men and have the opportunity to visit with one another, especially in these times where we spent so much time alone uh, in mm-hmm. our homes. So I think it would be worth the drive, not only to learn from the talks, but also uh, the opportunity to engage with other people, other men. Mike, uh, for folks that don't know, tell them why it is that you're even involved in this particular thing. Why are you promoting this particular thing for men? So the Austin Diocese has a group called the Fellowship of Catholic Men, and uh, the mission of this group is to invite men of every parish in the diocese to join a Catholic Men's Fellowship group. 
And so there are people who visit Catholic churches in order to set up these groups. And we have one at St. Thomas. We have one here at St. Mary's. And in most uh, Catholic churches, in fact, everyone except one in the Bryan College Station Deanery. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a couple of places, a couple of things that, that the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men have. They have a website. And then they're a part of a, a larger organization. The, uh, As a matter of fact, uh, probably the founders of that larger organization that has a website that has a lot of resource materials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, a, in fact, there's a brand new website called heroicmen.com. Um, and there's also an app for that. And basically they've taken the formed platform and identified all of the Catholic men's resources to help a man in their spiritual walk. And this is all free for men. So just look that particular website up and you'll be able to to get it on your phone. For those folks that don't know what Formed is, it is from Augustine Institute, and it has a lot of resources. Many parishes uh, have access to Formed. If you don't have access there, I think the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men has access to Formed. You can look up there. Just do a search on Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men because I never can remember the website. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to heroicmen.com, and you will have just some really good things like uh, there is uh, Deacon Ber- Harold Berkshiver's Be a Man or yeah, no, it's, no, it's, yeah Be a Man and right. then, then there's uh, Father Larry Richards uh, book uh, that don't get me to start bumbling here but there's a lot of good material there that, that, that is good for men right so what else is uh, the what what else is going on? So the other the other part to mention is that every person who does attend will receive Scott Hahn's book, Hope to Die, The Christian Meaning of Death and the Resurrection of the Body. So we had some donors step up and offer to buy a book for each and every attendee who comes. So that's an offer for you. Okay. So that's reason enough to come to get a free book. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Mike, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we've got, I've got in the second half of the program, someone that I think you're really going to enjoy. He's got a new book called Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer. It's Dr. Joseph Hallcraft. Uh, and he has quite a story to tell about his own life. And I will really be looking forward to seeing you, uh, on the other side of the half hour. Have we got anything else, uh, that, that we need to talk about? I don't think so, Gene. I think just uh, people can check out the YouTube channel for the the videos and be there for the live stream. And if you're planning on it, join us in person or over the over the air tomorrow for our KEDC benefit dinner and support Red Sea Catholic Radio. Okay, see you on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I have with me today a guest that I am so glad we have. Uh, he's the author of a brand new book, Dr. Joseph Hallcraft, and the title of the book is Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer, and it is by Sophia Institute Press, and the foreword is by Dan Burke, and that's 
that's really no um, coincidence, is it? Hello, Dr. No, Cochran. it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into I'd like to talk a little bit about your, your life story. So why, why are you, why does Dan Burke uh, doing the introduction or the forward in your book? Well, it's, it's twofold, Gene. Uh, first, uh, uh, getting to know Dan uh, by way of the Avila Institute. I've been teaching for the Avila Institute for quite some time now. So I had built a relationship with Dan and just not Dan, but also his wife, Stephanie. Uh, and so we had this already existing relationship. And with that in place, uh, when Dan Burke, as many of your listeners may know, came down with COVID, um, uh, he was, for all intents and purposes, on his deathbed. His wife, Stephanie, uh, reached out to those just not closest to her. But really, Dan, um, as he's a worldwide figure, she was reached out to hundreds, if not thousands of people for prayers. Um, and so I was brought into that loop of intercessory prayer. And it's interesting, Gene, because really, uh, when that took place back in March, I was finishing up the book. And it was through, really, um, praying um, for Dan that some of the words in the book became more sharpened, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the book, the foreword, uh, was relevant because, as Dan notes in the foreword, he really credits intercessory prayer to to surviving COVID. Uh, his pre-existing lung uh, and heart conditions really made him vulnerable. Uh, as, as he talked about it, he was writing his will. He, again, was for all intents and purposes on his deathbed. So when Stephanie had reached out to me um, to pray for him and, and for our family to pray for him, uh, <laughs> this book became real in, in, a, in a new way. And so uh, I had then reached out to Dan and said, hey, do you want to write a forward? And he said, absolutely. Uh, he, I think he wrote it that afternoon. I had asked him. So um, I'm grateful for his forward and and for his testimony, really, to what we're, what we're going to be talking about uh, this afternoon. And, and for those of you who are listeners that say, Dan Burke, that name sounds familiar. He was a guest on my program this past year, and he has a book. Oh, okay. And his, his book on uh, discernment of spirits. Uh, yeah, spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare spirit, and discernment of sure. spirits. And it's, it's excellent. And, and you, you get into a little bit of that in your book, but not a whole lot. But so tell us a little bit, uh, how did you get where you are today? Because obviously we, you, you didn't grow up, you just didn't appear and be an author. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure, sure. So I'd go back to when I had started my college education at Chico State in Northern California. Um, I'm one of 11 kids. Uh, I was uh, born and raised in, in a Catholic family. Um, a Catholic family that had its ups and downs, but, uh, you know, a Catholic family nonetheless. And so I had gone up to up north to Chico State in California, and I had experienced some uh, some friction with teachers, if you will. And to make a long story short, it led me to reaching out to other universities, Catholic universities. Uh, I, I was in many conversations with many different people while at Chico State, and and while there was an increasing friction within the classroom on Catholic life and thought and it being rejected, I also felt that I wasn't able to really respond as I needed to. So I'd gone to a few conferences, one of which was a Marian conference that had Dr. Martin, Dr. Maravelli, uh, certainly Dr. Hahn. They're all teaching at this conference, and I noted that they were, 
They're all from the same university, of course, that was Steubenville. So I really wasted no time. I had gone to a, um, I'd gone on a pilgrimage to Poland and Medjugorje. And it was there where it was really on my heart to, to transfer schools. I came back, I finished the, the application process. I was accepted. And uh, later that fall, I transferred to Steubenville. And that really, Gene, kind of launched me into a whole new Catholic world, just not in my studies as it relates to defending my faith, but also my personal relationship with God. And to some degree, uh, what you read in the book um, is a reflection of my experience at Steubenville, because that's really where it all started for me. If it wasn't the the pilgrimage I took to Poland and Medjugorje, um, things began to bloom in my heart as I had begun to really understand what the Catholic faith life was all about. So from there, I'd gone on to discern the priesthood, discern I wasn't called to the priesthood, uh, taught Catholic high school, uh, junior high. I was teaching at the university level. Uh, I'd gone back to Steubenville to finish a master's, and ultimately I, I did a doctorate um, by way of distance learning, really. Uh, I wrote my dissertation uh, from my home, and I had traveled to uh, Oxford for three consecutive summers. So, And you were married uh, at this time weren't, when this was going on, weren't you? And, yeah, I was. So I, I, I met my wife in the uh, early 2000s. We got married in 2004. And so at that time in 2004, I was teaching in junior high. And while in junior high, I was finishing the master's and the doctorate. Um, at that time, teaching at the University of Sacramento, um, and so it, it became a very busy time because <laughs> there was a year or two where I was uh, teaching junior high, teaching the university, working on a doctorate, uh, doing Catholic radio like yourself as well on the weekend. So uh, yeah, God was uh, setting a path for me, and I was just trying to follow that, follow his lead. Now, you, you went to the universe, uh, Franciscan University, Steubenville, and... Uh, I, I I see that university frequently, and I think of it as one of maybe three or four most Catholic universities in the country, in that uh, authentically Catholic. And you've got the Franciscans, uh, the Third Order Franciscans, running that. And Father Mike, uh, Father Mike Scanlon. Mike Scanlon was the president while you were uh, right about the time you were there, and. Uh, yeah. the 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 uh, the way that religion is a Catholic religion is practiced there is maybe a little di- bit different, and there's a big charismatic bent at Steubenville, is there not? Sure, there is. In fact, that was very much a part of my formation when I was there uh, from '97 to '99. In fact, it was um, my first encounter with Father Mike Scanlon. You know, Father Mike Scanlon. Uh, had a tradition of meeting all the freshmen. He would shake the hands of all the freshmen uh, and all the new transfers who were coming into the university. And so everyone had a chance to meet Father Mike Scanlon, which was a big deal for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't, it just wasn't, uh, you know, some routine for Fa- Father Mike Scanlon. As you may know, and your listeners may know, it was, it was about coming to, to know all of his students. He really wanted to get to know all of his students. And, uh, and so in that first week when I was at Steubenville, I had the chance to just not meet him, but um, get to know him. And in my two years, and, and really following those two years, I, I got to know him even better. Um, so he was a real blessing in my life, and he helped me better understand 
the charismatic bent as you speak to it, or the charismatic renewal, what it means to live a life full of the Holy Spirit, um, which again is is um, some of what I talk about in the book for sure. In fact, I, I tell a story um, about Father Mike Scanlon, and it was tied to my first encounter with him, that uh, he had pulled me aside after he had met with all the freshmen and transfer students. He actually pulled a few of us aside and wanted to pray over us. And so um, that was a real special moment for me, no doubt, as an incoming transfer student. And uh, it, it really uh, it really impacted me in my initial days, weeks, and months there at the university. So I'm, I'm grateful for Father Mike Scanlon in, in more than one way, for sure. Now, you, getting to, to Steubenville, you, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, uh, you talked about basically like an, a religious experience that you had when you went to this conference where Scott Hahn was there and then to Poland and Mechigori. And it's almost like a miracle that you got to Steubenville in the first place. That Well, yeah, it, it really was. Uh, <laughs> um, on one hand, because Steubenville was not on my radar in January of that year, really. I mean, I had heard of it here or there, but I really didn't know much of it. Uh, and then I, I had these experiences at Chico State University, Gene, and it just, um, things kind of got sour for me. And, and you know, lo and behold, I'm applying to the university, and the real miracle was uh, just not being accepted, but also the money that came through. People just stepped forward and um, in one case, unknowingly, um, stepping forward and say, hey, hey, you know, Joe, um, I don't know why, but uh, God told me to write this check for you today. Well, the amount of that check happened to be the exact amount I needed to um, to get into Steubenville to pay for, for my tuition. So, yeah, there was some divine intervention there for sure. Um, there were many signs that <laughs> were pointing for me to go to Steubenville, and no doubt that was one of them. Uh, one, one last thing, Joseph, that I'd like to talk about about Steubenville is that after uh, Father Mike Scanlon is not president anymore, and Dave, Father Dave Pavanka is president now, and many people will know him for the series The Wild Goose. Oh, of course. So yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 you know these people, you just don't, maybe don't remember them. You were talking. Uh, yeah. You were talking about your early yeah. married life, and um, you were you were teaching in a junior high. You were teaching at the college level, and you're doing a radio program. Tell us a little bit about the college that the University of Sacramento that you were teaching at. What kind of a school was that? Yeah. So the University of Sacramento was run by the Legionnaires. It started, in, I believe, in '03. Uh, uh, under Bishop Wiegand. And so the Legionnaires, being devoted to higher education, set out to uh, put a stamp, you know, uh, of Catholic identity, um, an imprint of Catholic identity upon the diocese. And so uh, it was a great move by Bishop Wiegand, no doubt. Uh, it was doing quite well. But then, as some of your listeners may be aware, you know, that when um, the whole thing went down with Father Maciel and Legionnaires, uh, the university had to close because um, they were losing guys. But I'll tell you, my experience at the Univers University of Sacramento was really positive. Uh, there was a huge response from the region. We had a, uh, we had a master's program devoted to just not theology, but also a catechesis. Uh, there was a real renewal on catechesis in the diocese because of the university. So that was really exciting. Um, but it did close down in, in 2011, which was part of my, you know, 
uh, path of, of seeking God's will. Mm-hmm. Because just as I had committed kind of long-term to them, it just kind of was pulled out from underneath, just not me, but all those who were a part of it. Um, but uh, as it turns out in the end, everyone who was a part of the, the, the university got their degrees, the professors found positions. So, um, But it was a real positive experience for me as it gave me the experience to um, teach you know, at a higher level of which I, I fell in love with, you I, know, to, to be able to teach yeah. theology to, to, to students, young and old, right? Young and old who are thirsting for truth. It's, it's, it was a lot of fun. It's interesting it how, Joseph, how sometimes God has to close a door for us so that we will go to another door and open it. Amen. Amen. Now, it must have been yeah. interesting, it must have been interesting too, to teach at a junior high level, which I think you said was in a Catholic uh, junior high, correct? That was... Yeah, also floundering, and then and then, then turn around in the evening, and go teach at a university level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know we were joking around about that a few weeks ago. You know what's funny about that, Gene is, and I've told more than one person this. You know, I, I would teach all subject matter, but it was at a Catholic school, and there were elements of what I would teach to junior high kids that I would also teach to thirty, forty, and fifty year olds, because really the task is the the teacher is to make what is incomprehensible comprehensible, right? And to, to just simplify sometimes heady terms and phrases. And, and what's interesting is I would find myself uh, using some of the same material. Now, the questions might be more uh, thought-provoking from uh, the uh, 30 or 40-year-old, year, but uh, in the end, uh, I, I found out that there was more I'd come to find out that there was there was more similarity than dissimilarity. Okay. Um, yeah. But it was a busy time. <laughs> and then you sure. were doing a radio program, and and even this uh, to me seems a little unconventional where this radio program was being uh, done. And would you care yeah, to so, uh, explain a little bit, Joseph, about this radio program and what it was and how long it went on? And and uh, you made some friends there that, sure. that we talked about that uh, we'll talk yeah, about a little sure. bit more. Yeah, so in 2006, I was leading a Bible study uh, on uh, the book of Revelation for our local parish, and uh, one of our parishioners was involved in radio. And so the parish, uh, the Bible study was going quite well. There was a large turnout. And he said, hey, you, you should think about doing radio. And I thought, no, I'm, I'm not a radio guy. You know? <laughs> and he says, no, I, I think you should really think about it. This, You need to take what you're talking about you know, to air. I'm like, okay, well, I'll think about it. And I, you know, I really never did. And then he, he called me maybe three weeks after that and said, I've got an interview for you to talk with the, the station manager over at, uh, you know, KKXX, which is, which was this uh, interdenominational radio station. Right. And, and so I, I interviewed with him and we had a long conversation. He said, Hey, we've got every religion under the sun, but Catholicism. So do you think you can be a voice for Catholicism? And I said, well, um, you put it that way, and how can I say no? <laughs> right? So what he did is he made time for me on Saturdays and Sundays, and uh, uh, then I just basically continued what I was doing with the parish. I was just leading a Bible study. But it became something more from 06 to – well, from 06 to 2012, it was more or less that. But in 2012 – Speaking of doors opening and closing, one of one of the doors that opened was to um, go on air every day, every evening at 530 
Um, and so what I would do is I would break up each day, you know, Monday through Friday, um, the Catholic faith, um, take it up the Catholic faith uh, with a different theme, a different topic. And it was a lot of fun, uh, but it was interdenominational, right? So uh, the host before me, after me were non-Catholics and sometimes I dare say even anti-Catholic. Uh, being inside that studio led to a lot of vibrant, uh, robust conversations about uh, the Catholic faith. Uh, and I might say, too, Gene, maybe the top question I received from my, my brothers in Christ uh, and sisters in Christ as well, who were hosting a program, was something that came up in this book. And, you know, if you were to go to 1 Timothy 2, 5, you read, for there was one God and there is one mediator, mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And of course, you read that from 1 Timothy 2, 5, and you think, well, why do you go to the saints? Why do you pray to Mary? Um, and so it was after many, many conversations that, um, you know, it really hit me that, that this is really, really important, because if you look at the verses before, it's Paul writing to Timothy saying, um, I urge you, I exhort you to intercede for me in my ministry and do so mindful that you are sharing in the one mediation of Jesus Christ, this, that this is good and, and acceptable before God. So as I, had, um, as I was having these conversations with these uh, Protestant pastors and the like discussing this passage, uh, God said, pay close attention because I want you to spend more time on this. Uh, and so I did. And uh, that ultimately became a book. But uh, I, I just found it interesting that the very question that I was receiving again and again and again um, from different pastors became really um, an important moment for me in the writing of the book. It's interesting to me, Joseph, how some of our uh, particularly Protestant brothers and sisters are reluctant to invoke somebody who's already in heaven as an intercessor, but they will ask you or me to pray for them. Yes, and that's always a point to bring up, right? <laughs> you know, because because they do it, and I make the point in the book really uh, again and again that this is a question that we receive maybe more than any other question. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for so-and-so? Can you pray for this healing or that healing? And we don't think about it critically. You know, one of the things that Jesus does in, in the gospel repeatedly is he asks questions, and he does so because it, it gets the one asking the question or, or making an observation or critique, critically thinking about what is, you know, what's being said, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> to be able to, to take a question and respond to the question with a question is, I, I found, very important, um, and, and more than just Thomistic, something that Thomas Aquinas would do. It's what Jesus did, right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, when I get the question asked, if First Timothy two five says there's only one mediator, why do you go to the saints or why do you go to Mary? Well, uh, what is Paul saying in the uh, opening four verses of that chapter? But to intercede, and he wants us to understand that this is an intercession that is is a participation um, in Christ by virtue of the Holy Spirit. So, um, yeah, to to respond to a question with a question uh, can be a very good thing and apologetic. <laughs> I've come to appreciate my time at the radio station. Well, you made a transition at this point to being an author, which 
for most folks is not a, a simple transition, Joseph. So tell us about how that happened and, and how this book came about. Uh, you were telling me earlier something about the book that I think is interesting. Yeah, so uh, this is my second book. The first book was published four years ago by Amaze Road, A Heart for Evangelizing. And I bring that book up because in many ways, both of these books are very similar in how they just kind of organically came about, both of which really were from uh, what I was talking about on air. So I would I would prepare a talk, I would prepare a reflection for um, teach for teaching on the radio, and if it was thematic, then you know I kind of had it in my queue, and I'd be asked to to write articles or that kind of thing. And so uh, similar to my first book, this second book just kind of matured over time. Um, now, I will say there was a very important moment to this second book, and that is uh, it did originally come from an article I posted, a blog post that um, was posted a few years ago now, and it was on uh, 12 points to consider when praying for others. And I had written this uh, post uh, because I was getting the question asked quite a bit. And when I looked in the mirror and asked the honest question, am I responding to the question, can you pray for me? I wasn't. I, I, my response was a half-hearted response, if you will. It, it wasn't a wholehearted response, and, and, it, and that bothered me. And I found myself in conversations with many others who, in being honest with me, said, you know, Joe, I don't follow through either. And I thought, okay we need to do something about this. So I made it a point in my own life to make sure that I was going to pray for those with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, for those who, who asked of my prayer. And so I, I, I put this blog post together and wouldn't you know, but a day later, I had several hundred prayer requests. Yes. Um, you know, it was on spiritualdirection.com and Which is uh, that a, is that's, a, a that's, website. Yeah, and that's part of, 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 of Dan Burke's ministry, uh, along yes. with the Villa Institute. Villa Institute. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, correct. And, and it's patronized uh, by hundreds of thousands of, of, um, of faithful. So there in my inbox was, gosh, just hundreds, really, of, of requests. And so I called Dan Burke right away, and I said, hey, has the book been written on this? Because... It's pretty clear that this is uh, important <laughs> based upon the request. So again, that was the organic moment, if you will, Gene, that it wasn't necessarily something I was thinking about, but as there was this desire to talk about it, um, it, it I thought, yeah, it was time to, to write. And Dan said, no, the book has not been written, uh, so write it. <laughs> okay, so let's, let me take, I, let's take a break just yeah. to this point. I need to remind our listeners who you are because I haven't done that yet, and I feel very bad about that. I'm speaking with Dr. Joseph Hallcraft, who's the author of Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer, and that's by Sophia Institute Press. And we're, going to, we're talking about his book today. And if you have a question for Dr. Hallcraft, you can give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. And uh, all, there's got to be somebody out there that's got a question or comment for you. So let's talk about the book again. So you, you, Dan Burke encouraged you to write the book. So you wrote the book. And uh, it, how, did, did your dissertation have anything to do with this particular topic? Hmm. 
to some degree, I suppose, I would say the dissertation was more relevant to my first book. Okay. Um, but li- like anything, you know, when you spend so much time studying something, it's going to find its way in every, everything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I wouldn't say it's, it's some kind of uh, dissertation in microcosm, no. No. Okay. So tell us about the book and how you how you wrote it and you told us why you wrote it and uh, how did it develop? Because it, it, in looking at the book, uh, you've got nine chapters and it's very practical. Yeah. Uh, for each chapter, you've got a, basically an introduction, uh, a couple of t- and then some t- tips and a key patron saint for that particular aspect of prayer. And uh, uh, the thing that struck me about it is that uh you don't use what I call churchy language. It's all pretty much just plain everyday English that you use. And it's so riddled with scripture, but the scriptures all fit right in. It's not as though it's an appendage that somebody decided they need to put some scriptures in there to make it sound good. Sure, sure. Well, I appreciate that, Gene, because my intent was to not get too heady or, or, or theological, um, but to just simplify uh, what is theological, right, which is always to be made practical. I mean, theology, as we define it as faith-seeking understanding, it is, is always a practical ma- matter. It, it is a divine matter, for sure, and I touch upon that, but it is also a practical matter. And and part of that practical matter is, especially when it comes to writing a book, is to um, lay out a structure that's going to make uh, what is being said intelligible, uh, and so I had actually reached out to different folks about, you know, what is the best way to approach a, a book? And, um, and that was actually Matthew Kelly who, who said, hey, uh, be mindful of, of not just the simple things, um, but people love saints. Uh, people love to be asked questions. Um, people love uh, simplicity, uh, a, a simple structure. And so I really took that and, and ran with it. And um, and it, it's it's really borne fruit. So what I've done is, as you spoke to it, I identified nine keys. Now, you heard me talk about 12 points to consider in the blog post, but through uh, further reflection, and also I actually took the subject matter, Gene, that I was teaching and taught a course for the Avalanche Institute on it, and that helped me kind of further reflect and ponder upon the subject matter. So I went from 12 keys to nine keys. I identified nine keys that were really quintessential to intercessory prayer. And then within each key, I established a tip because we love tips. <laughs> right? And uh, out from that, then I, I identified nine saints um, for each key, which I called the, uh, the patron saint for the key um, that, that I thought, in my opinion, in my interpretation of their life and what they stood for, um, he, uh, would help illuminate my subject matter and what I was talking about. And then I concluded with some journal questions. In fact, some of the initial feedback that I have received from those who have already read the book was that the journal questions were very, very helpful for them. You know, I was just talking about the importance of asking questions. Um, to just ask a simple question is to encourage the reader, right, to hit the pause button and to reflect upon, you know, what they just read. And so that is... Um, by the grace of God, proven to be helpful for for those who have gotten back to me early on, uh, and so yeah, that's yeah. the structure. Yeah, Joseph, I, I I'm going to just pick one of the chapters here. I'm looking at the at the uh, sure 
table of contents, and I'm going to talk pray on the spot because that's the one that that I really have a lot of problems with. Mm. And and, uh, mm. and and the tip is now is the right time to connect with the timeless. <clears throat> yes. Me. And work mercifully. And then the the key mm. patron there is Saint Pia of Petra Salino. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And so and. You also have one of your saints, St. John Vianney, and those two yeah. are so key to me in that mm. they both uh, ministered to people so powerfully, and yet they were under such tremendous attack from the enemy. I mean, uh, you hear stories of St. Pio uh, having wrestling matches with the devil up in his room, and St. John Vianney having the devil set his bed on fire. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and 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 why, Gene? Because uh, they devoted every waking moment to Jesus Christ. They they didn't waste time. A point I make in this book, and and I talk about this a lot, is you know in, in sacred scripture, we're all familiar with the verse, "Vanity of vanities, a woe to you, vanity." And and we tend to define vanity as a preoccupation with what we look like, rightfully so. I mean, that's part of it. But if if you actually get into the text itself, vanity literally translates as a waste of time. Yes, Time is precious. Uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI says, the great gift of Christianity is the current moment, because we don't know what the next moment's going to bring. And, And ultimately, that next moment isn't defined if we haven't embraced the moment that is before us as we ought. So... Pray on the spot really, for me, might be, um, I, I don't want to say the most important chapter because I do think they're all important, but maybe the one that's most neglected. And as it's the one that's most neglected, it might become the most important because think about it, Gene. If someone asks you to pray for them, <laughs> following the other keys that I talk about, calling upon the Holy Spirit, praying in faith and what that means, praying from the heart, uh, praying with fervor, all these things, as you, as you do that, your, the, your desire will be to pray on the spot, pray for that person. Uh, it was, gosh, um, just three weeks ago, um, I was in a, a store and someone had come up to me and said, hey, Joe, how you doing? And we had our masks on, and I hadn't seen this person. We've just moved from California to Ohio, and so I saw someone who I know but hadn't seen yet. And so we were talking, and wouldn't you know, uh, she asked me to pray for someone. And it just hit me like lightning. And I asked her, can you pray right now? And she said, of course. So there we were praying in the middle of the store. And five minutes later, as we were praying, and I was just finishing of the prayer, someone else came over to pray. Uh, and to pray on the spot is is to make sure that you're first and foremost following through on the request, right? Yes. But also to bear witness to faith. We need uh, more than ever before, Gene, to witness to our faith. And it, I think it is a very profound way uh, to pray on the spot is, is a very profound way to witness to our faith. You know, we are very um, we are a very busy people, right? I mean, the people in that store were, were just doing their thing, and they came across people who were praying uh, in the Spirit, and and only by the grace of God go I, can I witness to the faith. But I thought it was a beautiful moment, and, 
And afterwards, we went outside, we took off our masks, we were uh, talking and, and praying even more, and it led to this beautiful conversation. It's all to say that when someone asks us to pray for them, are we called to take that prayer and that intercession before the Blessed Sacrament? Of course. Are we called to take that to our list um, in our own homes? Of course. But I would argue the most important thing we could do alongside of the other tips is to pray on the spot. Now, this calls out something, I think, Gene, that I, I bring up in the book. Are we properly disposed to pray on the spot? Right? Part of the problem is, is that we are not a people of regular prayer, so then when people ask us, ask us to pray for them, we're not disposed to say, yes, of course, let's do this right now. But if we are a people of prayer, praying regularly, uh, going to Mass regularly, frequenting the sacraments, if we're doing what we need to be doing, reading sacred scripture, the lives of the saints, then when someone comes up to us and asks us to pray for them, whether it be at a store or or at a mechanic's shop, as it happened a few months ago to me, too. I mean, hey, you know, we'll, we'll be ready to pray for them. And so that's, again, why in the book I spend so much time focusing in on the importance of our prayer life itself. Because if we don't get prayer right, how can we even begin to then intercede the way God calls us to intercede? Because there's so much more to prayer than just intercession. I mean, the, there's the praise and the thanksgiving and all the other things. And uh, we need to pray frequently or more frequently like Solanus Casey did, is that you, you, mm. you do the intercession and you thank God that he's already answered the prayer. Yes. Amen. Amen. I love that. I absolutely love that because that's, that's the prayer of great faith and great confidence, <laughs> right? I yeah. love that. Well, Joseph, it's, it's interesting, too, that uh, you talk about praying on the spot in that the, uh, it Praying on the spot is often an interruption into what we want mm. to do, and it could be very embarrassing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, each and every moment, Gene, is uh, pregnant with eternal significance. And we lay out our plans each and every day before God and what we think needs to be done. And God surprises us every day. And when he does that, we need to pay close attention. And he surprises us every day with, with the people we meet. And in all of those in unexpected counters we have, um, we have to have the faith that if we are meeting someone unexpectedly or for the first time, that this is, this is a, a divine intervention, that, that God is, is asking something uh, from you. You know, there are many forms of prayer, Gene, but simply prayer is conversation with God, right? Prayer is courtship. And when you are courting, uh, say, your beloved, you pay close attention to, to how they reveal themselves to you, right? Um, this is no different with God. Uh, all of the great saints have defined uh, simply prayer is conversation with God and prayer is courtship. Uh, they would also have us understand that prayer is a paying attention to God for those uh, divine interruptions, if you want to call them as such, um, but interruptions nonetheless that are obviously very, very important. So, yeah, we have to take a deep breath and, and ask God the question, if we are paying attention, right, what do you want me to see in this moment? Maybe asking the question too, especially if, if the person who's interrupted our day is a homeless person, uh, who is this homeless person to me? 
who is this homeless person to me in in my Philippians 2.12 moment where Paul says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, right? If someone has interrupted your day, um, take a deep breath. I would encourage all your listeners and ask the question, what is this divine interruption all about? Um, Now, no doubt we all have schedules. (laughs) I have four kids. I and so I have, uh, including my own. My I have six schedules, right? Right. <laughs> my schedule, my schedule, my part. And, and so, yeah, you want to keep that schedule. But as you do, um, yeah, I, I would really, really encourage your listeners to to hit that pause button and think critically about what that moment looks like, especially, especially if you sense that God is asking you to be present to something. You know, if if I have, you know. Uh, a son to pick up from practice and I'm a few minutes late and I have two or three people come up to me wanting to talk about the faith and this kind of thing happens. I probably, you know, and I've done this before I've set appointments, right. And they're fine with it because I need to go and pick up my son. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not encouraging people to be imprudent by no means, but what I am encouraging people to do is to um, out from a more fervent prayer life. Uh, ask the question, you know, sweet Jesus, what do you want me to see in this moment, uh, in this person? And how are you calling me to bear witness to the Catholic faith in this moment? So important. So important. Uh, again, my guest today is Dr. Joseph Hallcraft, uh, the author of a recently introdu- uh, released book, Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer. And it's by Sophia Institute Press. And this is this is a, really a handbook uh for what uh, Joseph is talking about here. Uh, how, what, what encouragement would you have for our listeners, particularly with regard to the book or in some other ways? We've got about two and a half minutes left uh, before uh, we have to go. Yeah, uh, take prayer seriously, that it works, <laughs> that it works. Um, pick up the book and maybe uh, key by key, tip by tip, Reflect with it um, and ask yourself the question alongside of the questions that I already have in the book. Um, how is this book speaking to me? Because as, as you have already noted, um, Jean, it's riddled with sacred scripture. So I just set out to bear witness to um, how scripture reveals um, what I talk about, which again, specifically is um, unlocking the key to better intercessory prayer, unleashing the power of intercessory prayer. We have, by virtue of our baptism, been given a vocation to share in the beautiful mystery that is the mystical body of Christ. And intercessory prayer um, is a way we do that, is a way we fulfill that baptismal vocation. And so I really, really encourage your listener to take just not prayer seriously, um, but intercessory prayer seriously. You know, it, to neglect prayer really is to neglect life itself, because it's by virtue of praying and invoking the presence of the Holy Spirit that we can begin to understand life itself, um, let alone intercessory prayer. So um, this really is just not another topic, in my humble opinion, but something that lies at the heart of our faith. What did we see Jesus do again and again and again, 14 times to be exact? He withdrew. Why did he withdraw? Because he knew if he was going to fulfill his ministry, he needed to uh, recharge the battery yes. and go deeper into that 
of course, profound union with God. We plug in our phones on a regular basis to get them recharged. Do we plug ourselves in on a regular basis to get recharged? Amen. Well said, Gene. Well said. Um, We've got about another... recharging... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, Gene, a recharging that is about um, just not our own relationship with God. Certainly that is first and foremost, but also how we exist for others. Okay, but uh, this is a beautiful way of existing for other about 30 seconds or 40 seconds. Tell us how somebody can find out more about you, how to get to the Avila Institute and uh, the blogs that you have and how to get the book. Yeah, you go to um, just go to the Avila Institute dot org um, and you can also go to Joseph uh, or rather uh, Joehulcraft dot org. You can find the book there. Also, Amazon dot com Sophia Institute Press. Um, uh, spiritualdirection.com, all of these websites. Uh, spiritualdirection.com, Avalon Institute is is my work. I'm director of the High Calling Program with the Avalon Institute, so you can find out my information there. Um, and there's links to the book um, with Sophia Institute Press and, of course, Amazon.com. Okay, thank you so much. My guest today has been Dr. Joseph Hallcraft. And uh, I'm so grateful to you for for being my guest. And all of you people who are listening, thank you so much for listening. And remember, when we're choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. Since you've been-